Amen. Thank you, Brother Farrell. Amen. He can take what's wrong and make it right. (laughs) I wonder if that's true. What do you think? Amen. You know, normally while I'm sitting there, I turn my notes around and I forgot to do that. So you're going to have to bear with me for a minute. This is really embarrassing. But you're going to have to just wait just a second or else it's going to be backwards. Anybody have a song they want to sing? I'll try and get it right next week. You know, after vacation, you're all, well, you really need another vacation, don't you? After vacation. Amen. Good to be with you today. It's good to be in the presence of the Lord with His people. It is probably my favorite place to be. Well, second favorite place to be. I really like being home with the family. But this is good. This is good. You know, on May 31st, we celebrated and remembered the day of Pentecost. The birthday of the Christian church, if you'll remember. The day in history when God's promise was fulfilled. When God kept His promise and the prophecy was fulfilled. The Holy Spirit of God was poured out among His people. Daughters and sons, young and old alike, were filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what would be cool? Is if God would put up on the screens a, a, a clip from that day. I think he could do it. I mean, God can do anything, can he? If he would just put a a two-minute clip up on the screen about what happened in that room on the day of Pentecost. Oh, I would have loved to have been there. I'd love to have experienced it, to get a little taste of what it must have been like to be in that room when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. I realize that I cannot adequately describe it. Because I wasn't there. I also realized that even reading God's Word about it in Acts chapter 2, even though it's helpful and inspired, it, it, it doesn't give us this, this real feeling of what it must have been like when the Holy Spirit filled that place. Or whatever it sounded like. So I guess the next best thing, or actually the best thing, is for Him to do it again for us. What do you think? Do you believe God is capable of doing that kind of work of grace for us today? Fill us, Lord, with Your Spirit. Don't just put it on the screens, although that would be cool. Do it for us again, Lord. Help us to experience firsthand what it means to be filled, to be in in a, in a... Group of people that are, that are filled with the Holy Spirit. This outpouring. Do it again for us, Lord. Matter of fact, I say, Lord, fill me with your Spirit. Uh, you want to say that with me? Let's say it together. Lord, fill me with your Spirit. Brother, sister, what's weighing heavy on you today? What did you bring in here with you today? Do you know what you need? Same thing that I need. Do you know what we need? We need a touch from the Almighty God. Do you know what we need today? 
We need a work of God's grace in our lives. It is no longer good enough just to be part of the church. It's no longer good enough just to come regularly. Now is the day that we all need to jump in with both feet and be filled with the Spirit. Now, I can't emphasize this enough. When these first century followers of Christ were filled with the Holy Spirit, listen to this, it changed everything. It changed everything. It changed their relationships. It changed their perspective. It changed the outlook they had on things. It set them free from what was wrong in their lives. When they were filled with the Spirit, it changed everything. And today, God wants to do the same for you and for me. He's the same God. The Bible tells us He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If He can fill them, He can fill us. And He wants to. God wants to touch you and touch me today. Right at the point of our deepest need. What does that mean for you? For for God to touch you right where you need it most. Whatever area of your life where you need it most. what, What does that look like for you? Ask Him. Go ahead. Ask Him. Right now. Let's just pause. Let's just pause for a moment. And you you ask God. I'm going to do the same. We're going to ask God to touch us at the point of our deepest need. Then at the end of your prayer that you breathe to the Lord, say this. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Just take a moment. Let's pray. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Since that May 31st Sunday, when we remembered and celebrated the day of Pentecost, we've been trying to look into the windows of that first century church after the day of Pentecost. We've been looking through the windows trying to get an idea of what happened to them after the day of Pentecost, or, or how those Christ followers were impacted. What, was their, what, was the, what were the practical and obvious results that you couldn't miss after they had been filled with the Spirit? The windows we have been using to look through are Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. So if you'd turn with me to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. These are the windows into this this post-Pentecost church that we've been looking at. Let's look again. See, these Spirit-filled people were serious about their faith. They were absolutely serious about their faith. In fact, they devoted themselves to their new faith or their new Spirit-filled faith. They had put their life in Christ 
on the front burner of their lives. Firmly, right there, it's first. They were not letting anything distract them from living out their Christ-likeness in their community. You see, they couldn't get enough of the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. The stories of, of what the disciples, the apostles were telling them about Jesus. They couldn't get enough of that. They couldn't get enough of that koinonia fellowship, that, that intimate, caring, loving fellowship that they were famous for. This, they thrived on it. It was their practice to meet together daily and to share common meals together and the Lord's Supper as they celebrated and praised Jesus Christ for what He had done for them on the cross and through the resurrection. They were especially known for their powerful and effective prayers. Prayers, prayers. They were praying powerfully and effective and people knew it. They lived every day amazed at what God was doing in their midst. Wonders and miraculous signs were being done one after the other by the apostles. They took care of each other. (laughs) That first century Christian church, they took care of each other. Even if it meant selling a house or some property to help care for the body and beyond. I guess you could say, when you, when you look at this picture, when you look through the windows, you could say, hey, they were grasping finally God's plan for His people. They were finally getting it. And it was being lived out. It was working. Why? Well, they had been filled with the Holy Spirit. We have two more windows to look through as we seek to get a handle on what happened after the day of Pentecost. We will look through one today and one next week, Lord willing. So today, Acts chapter 2, we're going to look at the window of verse 46 and half of verse 47. That's the window today. Verse 46, half of verse 47. Follow along as I read. Every day... They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor, enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day, consistent, one day after another, one step after another, they were getting it. They were filled. Father, Pour yourself out on us. We want to get it too, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look through this window this morning, we can see, I think if we pay attention, we can see some characteristics popping up as a result of being filled with the Spirit. So you don't have to look too close to notice that they were serving with glad hearts. Verse 46, they were serving with glad hearts. One characteristic that developed after being filled with the Holy Spirit was they were glad. They were joyful. In this community, there was a spirit of rejoicing. Why not? Why not? What they had been dabbling in in years past for some of them, 
They had just found out in a few weeks before that it was true and it was more powerful than they ever thought. They were rejoicing. They were on the verge of being giddy. (laughs) They had been filled with the Holy Spirit. Glad hearts. That's God's plan for His people. That's how He wants it to work in our lives. That when we accept Him and we walk step by step with Him, one step after another, and we receive these works of grace that come along as we are faithfully following God, He wants His children to be glad. He wants it to be the aroma of our lives. So much so that people can't miss it. They even smell it when they're around us. They're glad. Those people way back in the first century developed a lifestyle of gladness. And it was one of those characteristics that popped up after they were filled with the Spirit that could not be explained away. It made no sense. Hey, Yes, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, but that didn't mean that their lives were perfect. Far from it. Most all of the people in that first early church had far more issues and were far worse off than anyone here today. And yet, they were glad. You see, their focus was not on their problems or their issues. Their focus was on God and the fullness of the Spirit, this work of God's grace that had been powerfully done in their lives. They were glad, and it made no sense humanly. That's why God used it to draw people to his side. You know what people would say? <laughs> they would say this. If that's what it's all about, count me in. I want it. They drew people to God's side. I've got a friend <clears throat> that works in a large office. And in this office, there's also a woman that works close to him that everybody in the office knows that she's a Christian. And my friend, this, he is conflicted over this because he's a Christian too. And this woman that everybody in the office knows is a Christian, she is the most negative, unhappy person that he has ever met, he tells me. And he said, you know what, Pastor Chuck? I know her husband too. He is the second most unhappy person negative person that I've ever met in my life, and he claims to be a Christian too. This really, really bugs my friend, because he hangs out with other people in the office, and he hears, overhears some of the things they say about this woman. And in general, you know what they say? Here's what they say in a nutshell. If that's what it's all about, I don't want it. Don't need it. I'm going to run from it. Yet, if you would confront this woman, bless her heart, and I really mean that, if you would confront this woman and say, do you know what people are saying about you? She would slap you down, kick you around and say, God, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And she said, of course I'm a Christian. What's the matter with you? Boom. Of course. And people are scratching their heads and they're going... 
What? You see, brothers and sisters, there is a vast difference. Vast difference between being religious and being a spirit-filled Christ follower. And I think the, one of the problems, maybe the biggest problem the church has today is there's far more religious people than spirit-filled people. And we're all out there representing Jesus and people are saying, if that's what it's all about, I don't want it. You see, one life, this religious life, is ingrown, selfish, and pushes people away. The other life, the Christ-following, spirit-filled life, is, is outward-focused, unselfish, and inviting. Brothers and sisters, your life and mine, the plan is for our lives to draw people to Christ. And, and in the first century, they were glad in spite of their circumstances. They had heavy stuff going on. They had families that had disowned them because they were following Christ. They had stuff going on. Sure they did. They had needs. That's why they had to sell houses and lands, because they had needs. They were trying to help each other survive. Yet they were glad. And it made no sense. What made them glad? God did. God did. And this experience of being filled with the Spirit. I will enter His gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter His voice with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for He has made me glad. Now here it is. Get this. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for He has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for He has made me glad. You see, does that make any sense at all? It's Him. Let's get it. It's Him. Even way more so than our circumstances. That's how the poorest person in India that I have met, I don't know if it's the poorest person, but they were awfully poor. I met, they were in the church, they were dirt poor, they were rejoicing in the Lord. Because it's Him that makes us glad. Let me ask you, does your joy, does your gladness ooze out of you? <laughs> so that the people in your office say about you behind your back, you know what, if that's what it's about, I want that. That's what I want. I don't know about this Christianity stuff, but is this anything like that? I want it. I want it. And God would use you to draw people to Christ. Characteristic that you, you can't miss looking through the window is they served with glad hearts in spite of everything else. The second characteristic was that 
um, as you can see it right through the, the window there, very obvious that they served with sincere hearts, glad hearts, sincere hearts. There was no phony stuff going on. It was real. They were sincere. The word translated sincere here can mean single-minded devotion, absence of pretense, simplicity, generosity, things like that. Take your pick. All four of them look good. And they feel even better. One writer said this, Those first century Christ followers, they had an open-hearted attitude where there was no pretense, no performance in the way believers behaved. The joy that they had came from the heart because people were not trying to impress anyone. They had developed an attitude toward each other that enabled them to truly enjoy each other. That had to be God. They truly enjoyed each other. They couldn't wait to gather together because they were one in Christ. They were together. See, when, when we come to, into this place, there ought to be, and I think for the most part there is, I think, but there ought to be this, this joyful anticipation that you're going to be with the body of Christ. There ought to be this, this joyful anticipation of, of, of this person, that person, this person, that, that they come every week just by seeing them and sometimes with words they encourage you. They served with sincere hearts. See, the fullness of the Spirit was destroying the distractions of life often placed in our way by our enemy. Single-minded, sincere, serious, God in His rightful place. Ah, that's what I was made for. How did it happen? How was it possible? Well, <laughs> they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They had glad hearts, sincere hearts. Here's another characteristics characteristic. You can't miss it when you peer through the window. There was praise on their lips. They lived in their circumstances, in their context. They lived with praise on their lips. One of the clear concepts of verse 46 is that they were together. They were together every day. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together. They were together. They were unified. They were one. And they were getting it together with God. See, when God's people come together... And enjoy each other. Praising God is a natural overflow and outcome. That first century church, they were, they were involved in spiritual momentum. They were involved with seeing miraculous signs and wonders around them. There was growth in the church. They were walking in the Spirit step by step. And they lived with praise on their lips. Again, in spite of their personal circumstances. What did you bring in here with you today? I, I think too many of us 
me included, we, we let the stuff of life get between us and God. I mean, that's, a, that's what our enemy, that's what he tries to do. And that's the stuff of life. I'm not saying it's not serious. I'm not saying it's not painful. I'm not saying that it's not heavy. I'm just saying this. That if God is still God, then He can do for us what He did for them in the first century, which is He filled them and changed everything. And whatever stuff is going on in your life, at that point, it is different Now, the stuff may not have changed, but your perspective on it does. And He gives you another handle on it. And He fills you and empowers you and draws you close and walks with you through it like never before. With all of that going on, they had praises on their lips. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Well, they... They had glad hearts. That was a result of being filled with the Spirit. They, they had sincere hearts. Other, also a result of being filled with the Spirit. They had this, this deep down soul praise on their lips. That was a result of being filled with the Spirit. And one more thing I wanted to mention today that we can see in the first part of verse 47 as we look through the window is that they were attractive. They looked good. They were attractive They enjoyed the favor of all the people. The lifestyle that they were living consistently was attractive to the people around them that knew nothing about Christ, at least not much. But there was something different. There was something different about them. Now this attractiveness, this this favor with the people didn't last a long time for various reasons that we'll get to at another point. But, but at least in this window, when, when they were enjoying the favor with all the people, God used that period to help them speak more about what God had done in their lives. And God added to their number daily those who were being saved. People came from all over to see what was happening. God was on the move. People came from all over to see the miracles, and you can't keep a lid on that kind of stuff. They were curious, yes, but in many cases God used their curiosity and turned it into a hunger for God. And that's what can happen in your office and where you work and where I live. Is God can use us to place a hunger in their hearts. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They were attractive people. But that was way back then, and this is now. I wonder, how attractive are we in here and out there? How attractive are we? Are we allowing, I wonder, God to... Use us to draw people to His side. Think about where you work. What do people say in your office behind your back? You see, God's plan is to use you to draw people to Him. Here we are, Lord. Use us. They had been filled with the Holy Spirit. Glad, sincere, praise, 
attractive. I want to be like that, don't you? I don't want to be like that lady in my friend's office. If that's what it's all about, I don't want anything to do with that. In spite of my circumstances, I want to be glad, sincere, praise, and attractive. I guess, simply put, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Did I mention that it changes everything? And it can for you and me too in the 21st century. Let me ask again, what did you carry in here with you this morning? I'm not trying to diminish it. I know that there are things going on in some people's lives that are excruciating. Seems impossible. I understand that. What did you carry in with you this morning? See, God, my God, the Spirit-filling God, wants to set you free. He wants to work in your life and mine. He wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit and change everything. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever you brought in this door, being filled with the Holy Spirit changes everything. And really, all you have to do is take a step in God's direction. Fill me, Lord. Fill me. Change everything. Father, you know who's here this morning. You know who needs that special touch from you. So Lord, today, may this be the day that you set us free. I wonder, I wonder if there's anybody right here in this section, this one right here, not embarrass anybody. Anybody in this section needs to be set free. You see, if so, why not today? Right here. Anybody needs to be set free? How about this section right here? Anybody in this section need to be set free today? If so, why not today? Why carry that garbage anymore? How about over here in this section? Did anybody over here need to be set free? I mean, that's, that's what God's in business. I mean, He does that. Sets you free. Never experienced that, Pastor Chuck. Well, give it a shot. Give it another shot. Give it a shot for the rest of your life. God can be trusted. Anybody want to be set free? How about right here? Anybody have anything want to be set free? You know, some of you folks sitting here, this, what we're doing here is so, it's just boring out of your, it just bores you to tears. You know, my prayer is, Lord, would you help us not to have to compete with Xbox and all that other stuff? Would you just break through all of that and help all of us to know that this is, this is eternal stuff that can change our lives forever? Wouldn't it be better for it to happen at this age than, oh, let's see, um, this age? Would you carry in here today? As we sing, come, let God set you free. Let's stand together.